Hey, this is Kyle Papadum. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages you and helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Prayer. So, Father, would you be here in this time? Would you speak your truth? Would you open our ears to hear what it is that you want us to say? We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for everything that you're going to be doing in and through our lives. Amen. Well, hey, I wanted to just tell you a quick story about me and my friend Glenn. We were talking a few months ago about the five-fold ministry gifts of the church that are found in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll get to those in just a second. But we were talking how interesting it is that pastors are, are required to do the work of the ministry, that we only see ministry as work done in the four walls of the church. And now with this pandemic that we're in, there are no four walls to the church. There's the four walls of your living room. And, and so what does it look like to minister? And I just want you to know that as a team from Legacy Church, it is our honor and a privilege to serve you in this time. And so we want to hear from you. We want to check in with you, make sure everything is going well. But this is not a time to rely on pastors to do the work of the ministry. It's going to take all of us coming together and being the church to make sure that the kingdom expands in the next couple of weeks. Um, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 says this, and he being God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, I'm a pastor. That's my gift. That's what God has called me to do. That doesn't mean I'm the only minister on this feed right now. You are actually a minister. In fact, that verse tells me that it's my job to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. And so I just wondered this week, what would it look like if we all took an inventory of our family and our friends and made sure that everyone has what they need? Um, See, ministry is not a call into a profession, but it's a command into a lifestyle. I love that there are so many people in Legacy Church that are going out of their way to make sure that people have what they need during the season. We found out about someone in our church that needed some help with diapers and wipes. We've heard of other needs, um, and we've been calling and FaceTiming people. We just want to make sure people are cared for during this this season. Um, I want to read you a verse out of Mark chapter 9, and it says this, After they arrived in Capernaum and settled in a house, isn't it funny that that's exactly what we're doing today. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was greatest. He sat down and called the the disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone. Now, you may or may not know this. Um, in my family and, and in my own life, I'm very competitive. I don't want to just win. I want to beat you. And that's not always something that I'm proud of. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble over the years, actually. And I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering that to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, help me. Um, but one of the greatest things is God calls us in this verse to be competitive. I don't know if you caught it. It says, whoever wants to be first, that's me must take last place. We are actually called to be competitive in serving people. We want to be competitive in the way that we are racing to needs and finding, uh, finding ways of helping people. In fact, if you look back at the Greek, there's a word, uh, diakonia, and it means to wait on a table, much like a waiter um, in a restaurant. But in a wider sense, it actually means to minister, to care for people to take 
inventory of needs. And the people of the day actually took this phrase and made a slang out of it. And that slang is diakonos. And it means to raise dust by moving in a hurry and so to minister. It means that the servants, when they found out there was a need, they were on top of it. They were raising dust. They were moving so fast, they kicked up dust behind them to get to the need, to get to where it was. Um, Another uh, uh, definition is to serve a king. Another one is to be a deacon, one who by virtue of office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge and distributes the money collected for their use. And the third um, definition is a waiter who serves food or drink. I'm going to simplify this definition for you. It means to serve the poor, the king, and everyone in between. In order to serve people, though, we have to recognize that there are going to be some things that we have to give up. And we've given up a lot in the last week or two. And I'm not asking you to do anything that Jesus himself wouldn't ask us to give up, but he's asking us to give up our sense of significance. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for a pat on the back. Do it for the glory of God. Colossians 3 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And Colossians yet again says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord, and that is your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, each of these exhortations from Paul's letter uses the phrase, Whatever you do. This all-inclusive phrase points out that God wants to be prominent in our lives, in both the so-called significant things and the more mundane. See, we often think that Jesus isn't terribly concerned with our day-to-day lives, like what we do in the living room or the boardroom or the classroom or the laundry room. But when our work is done to the Lord, as unto Jesus, our work becomes an act of worship. Our work, however grand, or trivial becomes ministry. The next thing we're called to give up is our ego. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, Jesus gave up his ego. Anything that would make him proud as a human, he gave it up. He laid it all down to die for us. It says he humbled himself. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to give up our ego. We're called to serve people and that we, in that we get to put others first. Another thing that we're called to give up is our rights. I love this. Philippians uh, chapter 1, Paul says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Isn't it great that we're living in a time where That's actually the case. We're not actually in chains for Christ, but we are quarantined for Christ this week. And 
Yet we saw last week and we're seeing now on a global scale, the church rise up and proclaim the gospel in, in a sense of confidence for the first time in a long time. In fact, I'll say that it's probably the first time in my lifetime I have seen the church step up in such an incredible way. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been anointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, I will rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. See, this is Paul saying, even though I have no rights, even though I have given up every earthly semblance of what freedom could look like, God is still being preached. In fact, my faith in here is, is communicated out there. And I love the posture that Paul takes. He could have said, I'm chained to these guards. I have nowhere to go. These are the only people that I get to see. But in fact, he saw it reversed and he said, these guards are chained to me. I'm the one who carries the gospel of Christ. I'm the one with the eternal resources in heaven. And so I'm going to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. Which actually brings me to the next thing that we give up is our victories. Paul actually invites anyone to go toe-to-toe with him as he revisits his resume, showing that he has planted more churches, evangelized more people, and worked harder than anybody else. But then as he's putting them in his place, sharing all of his victories, we get to this part of 2 Corinthians 11. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped more times without number, and faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. If I must boast, though, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Did you see that switch? He could have gone and said, I am the greatest uh, uh, Hebrew of Hebrews that has ever lived. But he didn't. He gave up his victories. He showed true humility. And he actually boasts about the things that make him look weak. He yells about how many times he was imprisoned, how many times he was beaten, how many times he was shipwrecked, which by the way, I just probably wouldn't travel with Paul. Not a good life choice. Finally, we're asked to give up our expectations. Proverbs chapter 10 says, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The wicked is anyone whose heart is not in the right place. See, I learned something years ago when I first got married to Brittany. That is expectation breeds resentment. See, if I was to come home and expect that the laundry was done and it wasn't, I'd be upset. If I expected that dishes were done or the dinner was made and it wasn't, I'm upset. And eventually that leads to resentment. But I think we miss this uh, a lot of times that resentment over time actually breeds offense. And I love what one leader in the Assemblies of God said recently. She said, I resolved as a young person not to be offended. 
What would it look like if the church as a whole just refused to get offended? What would it look like if you refused to get offended? What if we were able to set aside our expectations for the goodness of the kingdom? See, when you end up serving people, when you realize that this isn't about you, you know what happens? You begin to find a new sense of significance. Your ego or yourself gets encouraged and you become confident in who you are in Christ. You get things like your priorities and decision right. You begin to celebrate kingdom victories like people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and growing in their faith and you begin to set your expectations on the miraculous. In fact, we have an acronym for our values in Legacy, and the E actually stands for Expect the Miraculous. And in this season of confusion and and chaos, we are going to expect, as a a group of people, as a community, we're going to expect the miraculous. We are expecting God to heal people. We are expecting God to move in this chaos. See, ministry is building up the body of Christ. Building up is adding strength to. Serving adds people to the kingdom. And it builds up those who are already in the kingdom. So raising dust, how can we do it? I'm curious. How can we serve? Remember the first time that God raised dust? Way back at the very beginning of Genesis? When he breathed life into this this pile of dirt. Well, that's where you and I came from. And that means that you and I were not just made for life, but we were made to serve. So why do we serve? What's the deep reason we serve? It's to reveal Christ in action. It's to serve is to be others oriented. And to serve is to see the need. And I don't think there's ever been a greater time to look around and see the need. See, we started this church in Tustin, but now the entire world is on alert. The entire world has needs that they are going after and they they are looking for help and they need the church to stand up and be the church. And so I am asking you this morning, would you please help us be the church? There are a ton of people in Tustin who are over the age of 65. If you have any contact with any of them, would you call them? Would you text them? Would you FaceTime them? We need to be in contact with them and then ask them if they need help getting groceries or or bringing their medications to them. We will do whatever we need to do. There are people of all ages all over our community that need to be connected with. See, we were made to be in community and so when you put us in quarantine, if you just box us up for long enough, we're gonna go crazy. I, I stayed inside for two days this week and almost lost my mind because I didn't have connection with other people. I need to be with people. So I would encourage you, please don't wait for the leadership to call people. Please reach out and call the people that you know. FaceTime them. Check in with them. You would be surprised at how much a DM means to people at this point. It's almost currency to us. Finally, I want you to know that we do have access to supplies. We have been working this week with one of our our outreach partners, CityServe, and we are excited to tell you that they are not halting production of any of their, their stuff. They're actually ramping it up. They're getting more donations from big box stores so that we can just go and give them away. We get to be the church. So if you know of a need, would you go to the link on the screen right now, fill out the form, and we'll get on it as fast as we can. We really do want to know about the needs so that we can raise dust to get to them first. We have an entire team of people who have stepped up, and I'm so grateful for those people. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being the church. 
We need you to come alongside and partner with us. Would you consider giving this morning? Would you give to the need? Would you tell us about needs? We need to know where people are at. And then would you help us by calling people, check in with them, love on them, be the church. Father, I pray right now that you would speak this word over our hearts this week. And as we sit on our phones or as we're in our living rooms with our families watching TV, would you put it on our hearts to call those that we are in contact with, those people in our sphere of influence that need your help, would you, uh, would you help us reach out to them? And then would you provide? We're trusting you to do this. All in your son's precious and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description below to give now, or you can go to LegacyChurch.online for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, take a screenshot, share it on your social stories, and tag us at Legacy Church Tustin. Thanks again for listening. God bless.